This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. All right, let's get to what Matt Abrams had to say about Justin Fields, and we'll do that next in our QB1 segment. Love the sound effects. All right, so Matt Eberflus did not necessarily comment too specifically on Justin <laughs> Sunday. Uh, had to do some film study. What uh, did the film study reveal to the Bears head coach? Yeah, he was asked the same question that he was asked after the game again after the film review, and he said, Justin knows he needs to play better. That's a loosely translated uh sentiment david that says he didn't meet our standards he didn't meet his standards he didn't meet our standards he did not play well and it was obvious to everyone even upon uh film review that that there were some poor decisions uh some big mistakes the inability to consistently create scoring opportunities and here we are you know talking about this performance so that that that's that's on the start of the point i know we can go through this categorically and and kind of dig into the specific plays and specific moments but i i'm curious what you make of of matt's kind of very succinct but still a little bit vague uh we're not doing many favors that's what i think they're not doing many favors here and and i i think it's a fine line to walk but it's one that i would cross frankly if i am if and i want to be fair here because i'm not up there every day and and they have they have access to all the information and film and they've got the relationships to worry about if i'm the coach if i'm the coordinator if i'm the general manager of a quarterback that I think if things go right, could be our franchise guy. I think that I might see things that other people don't. I even might look coaches fib about injuries all the time. They rationalize about losses and things. They don't always tell the truth. Let's be honest here. So if I'm suddenly now they're telling the truth about Justin Fields, (laughs) he didn't meet their standards And maybe he didn't, you know, he can play better. And there's a fine line. You want your team to respond to a certain, you know, tough love maybe if you're consistent with that. I think you want your quarterback to know that you believe in him. I think that's a very different mentality. And I've been surprised, frankly, that we still really don't know how much Ryan Poles believes in Justin Fields. And after one game, the first game that Justin Fields did not play that well, but he did not play that awful either. He was somewhere in between. I mean, he he was shaky in the second half. He never should have thrown the pick six. You got to protect the football. But I am a little surprised they haven't been more effusive in their praise of their leader because he's got to be their leader. And I wouldn't be surprised if I'm Justin Fields, you start to wonder how much do these guys really trust me? Because they're not saying the right things. They're not saying things that they really believe in me unequivocally or unconditionally. And they're certainly not, I don't think, calling the game plan like they trust me either. So I'm beginning 
to wonder exactly where this all is headed. What creates belief? I mean, belief Produce, is created by plays and production results, and results, playmaking results. And, and results, right? And, and like, like Ryan Poles has never been guided by blind hope. That's not the, the, the hang glider that he's riding on. You know, he, he's seeing this through, through sober, objective eyes, and he's trying to see growth from a quarterback that needs to occur for the quarterback to stay the quarterback. And so um, – what, what, role, what role in coaching does encouragement play? What it plays role a lot. Of, no, it plays what, a lot. But I don't, th- I don't, I don't think that they're, they're overly harsh on Justin. I mean, like, th- this is a big week, right? Um, you know, this is a response week without question. I, you know, I recall in 2019 I, I, I got a lot of flack. I, I, I put out a tweet in week two after the Bears lost – to the the Packers at home in that 100 season curtain lifter that there was internal anxiety inside the building about Mitch Trubisky's ability to to steady a, a rocking ship and people said oh you're making that up you don't know what you're talking about well I promise you that inside this building this week that there is a a challenge issued on you need to be the engine of the bounce back effort here. You need to be the guy that is the sharpest with the details so other guys follow that lead. You need to be the guy that that practices hard like you always do, that that prepares hard like you always do. And then when the lights come on, on game day, you need to be the guy that produces. I talked to you yesterday that uh, on Sunday afternoon that the Bears haven't touched 21 points or higher since week 11 of last season. This offense is broken. It's it's still sputtering. It's still clunky, and and the quarterback owns part of that. I just like I don't want us to revert into this this idea that now the the, the coaching staff and the the front office are being too hard on him, and that's what's creating. I, I don't want to say too hard. I don't I don't want to say too hard. I, and I don't hate it even. I guess I'm just a little surprised. I'm a little surprised with as much as they have to gain from surrounding him or 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 kind of draping him with praise and, 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 and building him up that they haven't tried harder to build him up. And that's okay because I think that it could work and it could be they're just being objective, but you don't always see objectivity when it comes to teams evaluating their own players. So I guess I'm a little bit more surprised than anything because I it, it is, to me, a slight departure and how the, this whole culture that we talk about all the time really is. It's, it's more of a, a positive uh, attitude, PMA, positive mental attitude type, type of mentality and approach and culture. And this is more like, okay, they're basically telling us this is a no excuses tour because they're not making any excuses for them. Yeah, no love songs on the No Excuses tour. No, no, no love, love no love okay. ballads. Yeah. <laughs> Man, jeez. All right, cancel that. Cancel that order. Sorry, no Celine Dion. Uh, you you want to get into? Yeah, just, let's get into our categories. Yeah. So let's start with uh, our defining moment. All right. So I had a, a menu of two for this because I thought that the, both of these were significant. And I, the, the one that this, this isn't Justin's fault, but the Bears had a, an opportunity down 17 to six to put together a response drive the first time they touched the ball in the third quarter. The Packers had had scored 10 points without the Bears touching the ball with the last drive of the first half and the first drive of the second half. And the first play you call the second half is a, a play action, naked bootleg rollout to your left. And Justin Fields play actioned a naked bootleg, then as soon as he turned around to his left, Devontae Wyatt was smothering him. And it was a loss of 11 yards. And at a moment where you needed a drive to really respond, you were stuck in second and 21 
and the drive was over before the quarterback got out of his play action rollout. And it was just brutal because then the next thing you know, you're down 24 to six. And then the next thing you know, you're, you're playing a chase game that you didn't want to be playing and, and nobody's comfortable and you don't go there. So that is the defining moment for me. I also wanted, and we'll get into this in a, in a minute or two, to highlight the sack that Justin took when the Bears were down in the red zone. Uh, and, and Lucas Van Ness took him down for a, a seven-yard loss because it was another play where it was just hidden negative yardage that you could have lived without. And uh, Matt Eberflus talked about that play specifically on Monday and said Justin knew it immediately when he came to the sideline and said, I got to get rid of that. Those are basic quarterbacking mistakes that can't be happening in year three. My defining moment is the one that probably prevents the Bears from being as effusive with their praise as anything because you can't get the pick six out of your head. It wasn't a terribly... Again, watching it again, and it, it didn't seem like it was that elaborate or complex of a, of a scheme or a, or a robber coverage or a spy or anything like that. It was just, uh, as you kind of described it yesterday, it was kind of a, a, what happens in a simple seven-on-seven seven in August. You just don't see a guy. You have a last in concentration or focus or whatever, and you throw it, and then you want it back, but you can't take it back, yeah. and it's boom. He picks it off, and he does with it what he does with it. The fact that he made a great return – only makes it more indelible in your memory and only makes it more of a defining moment for the day when everything went wrong. And as much as we'll want to focus on some of these other things we'll get to, when you throw a pick six and it's because it's a bad judgment, it's not necessarily the play the guy made on the ball. He made a nice play on the ball, but he threw it right where, you know, he shouldn't have thrown it. He wanted it back immediately. And I think it was indicative of everything that you wanted to come back immediately on a day that was best forgotten. And it was a pick six in the fourth quarter. And you and I continue to stress the need to eliminate those mistakes in the fourth quarter to play better in the fourth quarter. It transla- transitions perfectly into my uh-oh because my uh-oh is the two turnovers. You just described the, the pick six in vivid detail. And all of it is correct. The fumble's just as bad. It's a play where Justin reaches the top of his drop and he doesn't get rid of the football. And then not only doesn't he get rid of the football, he doesn't show the pocket presence to, to, to maneuver around the pocket the way high-level quarterbacks do in this league. And then he doesn't see the checkdown option the running back who's really right in his line of vision and, and only a few yards beyond the line of scrimmage uh, to, to catch a little pass and, and take it someplace. And he decides to go into that old comfort package, which is the tuck and run scrambles with it. I didn't think he was and Matty Berflus, uh said that he didn't think he was poor with the ball security, but he obviously wasn't solid enough because they ripped it out and they got the ball out and they got a turnover and they got the ball on the bare side of midfield. Now, now, thankfully the Packers committed a penalty and ended up not turning that turnover into points, but that was another possession that they gave the Packers possession on their side of midfield because of a, of a lapse. And when, when we're talking about two second half turnovers from QB one at a time where you talked, uh, you know, three weeks ago, your offense coordinator told everybody, Whatever you do, if you if you don't see something or you get tricked, don't lose the game for us. And then you make those two plays. Uh oh, uh oh, city. Yeah, my uh oh, city is, is something you just described. That's a good one. Um, I, I think that when you talk about the Lucas Van Ness uh, play, it, it was uh oh for a couple of reasons. I think uh, one is in total overreaction. The other one is is, is totally obvious. The totally obvious part is that as soon as he got to the sidelines, I'm not surprised to hear that he knew he should have thrown the ball away. You got to throw the ball away because you're on the verge of scoring a touchdown and now you made it more difficult and then you have to settle for three instead of six. And when you do that enough, that's how your offense becomes broken and stays broken because you're not taking advantage of those opportunities to score or to make the right decision. And it was a bad decision. The other thing is maybe a little bit more of a reach, but when Lucas Van Ness – 
the first-round draft pick of the Green Bay Packers, is not allowing Justin Fields to get to the edge, it suggests two things. Number one, teams already know that you can't let that happen. And whether it was the way he aligned pre-snap or the way that he was always in his mind knowing he couldn't lose contain, teams are going to drop as deep as the deepest and not allow the, Justin Fields to, to uh, throw, throw behind them because he's not going to beat them with all the checkdowns, and he's captain checkdown right now. And then also as wide as the widest and build a wall and a perimeter so he doesn't break contain because that's when he is most dangerous when he's out of contain. And Lucas Van Ness did that, and he also is, is the type of new breed of outside linebacker, pass rusher, who's athletic enough. He's just – he ran down Justin Fields, wrapped him up, and threw him down. That's well, yeah. an athlete. That's yeah. a really good athlete who is ready for the challenge that Justin Fields presents and poses to defensive linemen. And you could even go so far to say that's probably one of the reasons the Packers found him so appealing when he was on the board. Well, look, the Lions provided part of that blueprint uh, last uh, January, and, and, and Aiden Hutchinson did a great job of doing the same thing. And what you saw from Van Ness on that play is the ability to go horizontally and not push upfield uh, too much. You know, and, and so now it's up to the Bears to find the counterpunch to that. And some of it's going to be Justin keeping his eyes downfield and knowing when the ball's got to go and when it's got to go. That ball, again, that's got to, that's got to hit Staley in the nose. It's got to hit a cameraman on the sideline. It's got to hit somebody's beer in the third row of the, you know, south end zone there. But it's got to be, it's got to be gone. The minute that pass rusher is within a yard and a half from you, you've got to get that arm cocked and, and, and get rid of that because a seven-yard loss down in the low red zone does nobody any good, particularly when it's avoidable. Uh, so, yeah, there's a lot to that one for sure. What was on the bright side? There was a bright side, right? Well, there was. There was a touchdown pass. There was a nice touchdown pass to uh, Darnell Mooney. If you go back and watch it, the, the pocket was not clean. It was a dirty pocket. There was pressure up the middle. Uh, Justin fired it. He knew his receiver was going to be open with, with what he saw pre-snap, and he made, it, he made a nice throw. And before that, a couple plays before that, he hit Mooney for uh, a 14-yard gain on what was a schoolyard basic out route. It was just to get the snap. As soon as your receiver gets into his break, let it fly. Mooney caught it about five yards beyond the line of scrimmage, turned it into a 14-yard game. And, and that that right there, David, those are the plays. You needed to have a sequence of those once a quarter, minimum, if we're going to take this developmental leap in 2023 that we're talking about. Uh, it was few and far between on Sunday, but those are two moments when uh, Justin looked like the quarterback that, that the Bears have been hyping up uh, since April in terms of the development and, the, and the, the processing speed and the ability to understand what he's seeing more clearly. You need to see that more regularly because those were two really Really nice connections. I like that one because Darna Mooney is a guy that I, I like to see have success and he coming back from that injury. It was nice to see him catch a touchdown pass and nice to see Justin Fields put it where it needed to be. I'll go with the old standby, the 10 yard gain where he he did a little spin move and then he tucked and ran, even though you don't like to tuck and run. Uh, we're not supposed to. This is what this may be. This may be in a couple of weeks how we look at how they're going to fix this broken offense is that letting Justin Fields be the runner that he is. And when he gets in the open field, as he did, he does a spin move, makes a guy miss. He makes a linebacker miss. And then all of a sudden it seemed like it's longer than 10 yards, but I think it was only 10 yards, maybe his longest of the day on a day where he had 59 yards uh, on, on nine carries. So Justin Fields in the open field to me was a bright, bright spot on, on the bright side because it reminded everybody that, he still can do that. I'm not going to go so far. I'm going to stop saying 
Uh, Aaron Jones might have heard me and was offended. <laughs> Justin Fields is not the best running back in the NFC North, but he is certainly still a very dangerous running quarterback. 